Well, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here uh, this morning. Last year, I almost got crucified because I forgot <clears throat> to give the blessing. So rest assured, ladies, you will get it today. But before I begin my uh, homily, I just want to share a quote with you from a mother. Sometime back, I was hanging out with this family, and whenever I go over to people's houses, we get on all types of topics, crazy topics, and we got on to uh, the morality of Botox. Interesting. And not only that, but like, you know, not only Botox, but like surgeries and injections and all this stuff that's supposed to make the wife stay, quote unquote, beautiful, right? According to the world's standards of beauty. And I said to her, I was like, why would you do that? It's fake. And it covers up your true beauty. And the conversation went on, and a few days later, she wrote something and shared it with me, and I want to share it with you because I think it captures the beauty of women and the beauty of motherhood, and especially the sacrifices, ladies, that you go through for us, your children. She wrote this, there is a beauty in the mess and wrinkles and sleeplessness, in what I have since begun to feel is a sign of my weariness or weakness. Something truly shifted in me after we spoke. It's not the lie of the surgeries and injections that bothers me. It's that it's fake. However, I still think it looks nice. <clears throat> Only a woman. What really got me is it's the lie that the lines and scars and marks I have aren't beautiful. I was so focused on beauty for beauty's sake but that in itself says that whatever the surgeries or injections would fix isn't beautiful. So I don't want to erase the lines and scars for the sake of beauty. Because if I do, I'm agreeing with the story that what got them there stole my beauty from me rather than gave it to me. The sleepless nights that I held my babies to my chest, the tears I cried with them in their newborn days, even the stretch marks and C-section scars. The body that nursed and bent down to wipe tears and carry fu fussy toddlers. I worked hard for that beauty. I think Jesus loves it. So I will never erase it. Mothers here today, thank you for the thousands, maybe tens, hundreds of thousands of sacrifices that you make for us, your children, that often go unseen. Thank you for your witness to love. Because somebody else has scars and marks and wounds on them. That guy. And they're signs of his love. And so too, ladies, we know your true beauty. And we thank you for everything you do. Hope that makes up for last year. Alright, on to the homily. This morning we read from Acts chapter 8. This is early on in the church. Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost. So this could be days, maybe weeks after Pentecost. It's, it's not long after. Basically the backdrop, the backdrop of this whole thing, persecutions have broken out in Jerusalem. Saul, the great, soon to be St. Paul, Saul of Tarsus has showed up. He just killed Stephen. The Christians are running away from Jerusalem for fear of their lives. The apostles are sitting there saying, what are we going to do? We've got to keep preaching the word. 
And the newly ordained deacon, Philip, goes down to Samaria and starts evangelizing people and working signs and wonders. So many signs and wonders. So deep is his power in his message that many people are converting. Lots of them. I mean, not only are Philip and the apostles working signs and wonders and converting people left and right in the middle of persecution, but the great Saul of Tarsus is about to meet Jesus. And when he meets Jesus, everything changes. And when Paul changes, Jesus works powerfully through him and then changes the world. That is not too bold to say. St. Paul's writings effectively are more than half of the New Testament and are for surely the influence of Western culture. One man. Now I think the tendency is to say that, Father, that was the early church. You know, things don't really happen like that anymore. But they do. They do happen. They just don't make Fox News and CNN. But they happen. I want to talk about a guy that I think at least if not rivals, is least as powerful as St. Paul's conversion. And this happened recently. I shared this with the school kids on Thursday. His name is Shane Taylor. Any of you have ever heard of Shane Taylor? No. No, he didn't make Fox News, did he? He was considered one of the most dangerous criminals in England. This is very recent. When he was younger, he got bullied. And so he wanted to start commanding respect for himself. So he started fighting people. He's a big boy. He's about 6'5", 250. And he got in a lot of fights. Then he said he started watching a lot of movies, a lot of videos about gangsters, about murderers, about drug dealers. And and he saw how ruthless they were and the respect that they commanded. And he said, I want that. And so Shane thought one day that he was going to make a name for himself. And through a random act of violence, he stabbed a man in the head with a nine-inch kitchen knife to prove how tough he was. Then as he was on the run, he went to a local pub where he sold drugs. And a rival gang was there. And the main guy came up to him and said, you get, like, get out. And he's like, I'm not leaving. And the man said, so you want to start messing around with the big boys, do you? And Shane looked at him and he said, no, I don't think you understand. I am the big boy. Headbutted him in the face, drug him outside, and stabbed him to death. He soon was arrested, went to prison. He said, I raged against the prison system. I hated it. I hate the prison guards. I hated the police. And he said, if you're going to mess with Shane, I'm going to be the big dog in prison too. So he began selling drugs. Nobody messed with Shane Taylor. Then he instigated a riot and stabbed two security guards, two prison guards, in the chest with a piece of glass. Then he got sent to a maximum security prison and was put on the CSC, the Closed Supervision Circuit. The next step is solitary confinement. They're sliding food underneath a door with a hatch on it. That's how dangerous this guy they saw him as. This went on for years, and eventually he calmed down a bit, transferred to another prison, But he continued to sell drugs, continued to be the bad boy. One day an inmate approached him who was a Christian, started talking to him. Shane said, he's like, I thought this guy was a weirdo. He's telling him how Jesus changed his life. He's like, I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with anybody. And he said, one day he said something to me. 
And I heard it for the first time. He said this. You know, Shane, I'm in prison. And will be for the rest of my life. But here, and he points at his heart. He said, here, I'm free. And Shane said it was the first time he actually listened to the guy. And he didn't listen because he understood what he was saying. He said, I, I listened because I didn't understand what he was saying. How could you be in prison and be free? So he instigated another riot. Because he got more angry. They cut this one off before anybody got killed. And he was sent again to the maximum security prison. And placed in solitary confinement for two weeks. When he got out and he was in his prison cell, the guard came to him and said, you've been sent to education class. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing that's where they like try to educate you to be a better person. And so he went. And when he got there, his name was not on the list. He should have been escorted immediately back to his cell, but he wasn't. The security guard said, go to the chaplain. Shane was like, why would I go to the chaplain? But he goes to the chaplain and he walks in on a catechism class of all things. And he hated it. He said, I didn't know. He's like, I asked the guard to take me back to my cell. I would rather be in my cell than I would in a catechism class about Jesus. And as he was going to leave, the one guy grabbed his arm, the inmate, and said, Shane, before you go, at the end of each class, they give you free chocolate. And so he stayed for the chocolate. And he said he went week after week after week after week. And he said, everything began to change as I found out who I really was. And one day, the chaplain came up and said, Shane, God told me to pray over you. Can I do that? And Shane looked at him and said, I hate my life. I hate who I've become. And I hate everything that I've done. So yes, please pray over me. He said, as the chaplain prayed over him, he said, something like light and heat came into his gut. And it started to rise up inside of him. So it got to his head. And when it got to his head, he just burst out sobbing. Uncontrollably. And he said he knew in that moment that everything was going to change. Everything. And then he looked at the prison guard and said this. He said, don't you dare tell any of the inmates I was crying. And he grabbed the Bible and ran out of... Now, you guys got to picture this. This is like one of the most dangerous criminals in the prison. All of a sudden, he grabs the Bible and runs out the door down to the main prison block, screaming, holding this Bible. Now, what do you think is happening? Shane Taylor is running at five prison guards uncontrollably screaming. They're getting ready for the worst. Another riot, another killing. And he stops right before him. And he says, you guys, it's real. And they're like, what's real, Shane? And he takes the Bible and he's like, Jesus is real. And in one day, he went from being the most dangerous criminal in that prison to being one of the greatest evangelists for Jesus in England. Everybody he meets, all he does is share his story and share what Jesus can do for you. He's married with five kids. And on his testimony, if you watch it, he breaks down because he said, I'm so grateful because I have five children that never would have had a dad. Or would have had a dad that raised them to be mean. Now I know what life is about. 
And for that, I'm forever grateful. Shane Taylor, dangerous criminal, rock star Christian. And all it took, all it took was for him to hit rock bottom and for another Christian to be there for him. If that isn't St. Paul and Ananias, you remember when Ananias comes and baptizes Paul? It's another Christian saying, brother, let's go change the world. That's real stuff, you guys. That stuff really happens. And it happens a lot more than you think. Jesus is real. I think God wants to say to us this morning, you are not expecting enough from me. You underestimate me. And what you do is you control your surroundings instead of surrendering them. C.S. Lewis once said, God is not safe. He's not tame. He's not domesticated. He's good, but he's not safe. He's insanely powerful. And there are people in this church this morning, and I include myself here, and we're in need of some rather dynamic healing. We need dramatic things from God. We may not be paralyzed in body like the people that Philip healed were, but I bet some of you are paralyzed in heart. We might have extraordinary despair over our sins in our past. We might have a crippling fear of our health or the health of a loved one. We might have profound sadness and a sense of discouragement of where our lives are at right now. We might be paralyzed by hatred because somebody abused us or betrayed us. And just as Jesus did in the Gospels, and just as he did through Philip, and as he did in Shane, the same Jesus is walking these aisles right now, looking for somebody with the faith to be healed, to transform us. And so let's pray that that would happen. Jesus, you told us that we would do even greater things than you did. We beg you today to touch our hearts. Come into our lives and radically change them as you did and continue to do to so many in this world. Give us the grace and faith to expect great things from you. To believe that with you all things are possible. Be generous in sending your spirit on us today in this mass. That you would do in this church what you did in Samaria in Philip's time. And what you did in Shane's life some years ago. Heal us. Touch those parts of our hearts that are dead or full of fear. Hatred or unforgiveness that refuse to surrender to you. Fill us with your resurrected life and send us out from this church to speak boldly as Philip did to the world about what you've done for us so that others may come to know you through our witness. All this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.